0: Hello legends, today I catch up with CUB member Raj Narayan, the founder and CEO of Imagine Golf, a membership-based golf networking group that helps business owners and execs grow their network through the shared passion of golf. Imagine gives members access to some of Australia's leading courses, networking opportunities, and keynote speakers. And Raj is a true expert in the art of networking. She shares her keys to successful networking, the philosophy of karma and how it relates to business, and how golf can be a powerful business development and relationship tool. I thoroughly enjoyed meeting Raj, so I hope you enjoy the show. I don't think I've ever met a professional networker, or a fellow Professional network, I'll, I'll say.
1: Fabulous! Thank you for having me, Daniel. It's absolute pleasure to be here.
0: No, I'm so excited to chat to you. I mean, you've had such a broad uh, experience in business, corporate world, um, uh, uh, entrepreneurial life, uh, and you, you like we kind of do the same thing. You know, yours. <laughs> you, I mean, you build relationships between business people, but yours focus on a shared passion at golf, which I actually think is even cleverer because. <laughs> And um, even at Cub, people bond mostly, you know, they bond easier, I've noticed, when they've got you know something in common. Business is in common first, but when there's something else, it's even better.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I just think in networking, it's not either or. I always say it's and. So you, the more networks you're part of, the more groups you're part of, you make more connections that you can you know, leverage off and introduce to each other. But also I think like when you have a shared passion or an interest, it just makes that relationship a lot more stronger, a lot more authentic. So, yeah. I always think the shared interest thing is
0: more of a – um, an icebreaker for conversation because mm-hmm. it, it is hard to just have a conversation with someone. Like uh, some people find it easy, but, but like, I, I always found it hard to, to, to meet someone new, to keep a conversation going to like, well, what do I talk about? Like, well, yeah. But when you've got something in common, like golf, mm-hmm. you know, you can very easily, you know, okay, that's a topic we both know. That's a topic we can, talk about. And we've got this. So I almost feel like it just, it just, it almost just breaks the ice a bit more.
1: Yeah. And it's a good connection because, you know, with golf, you spend a lot of time together. So it's four and a half hours on the golf course. You're in a different environment outside of business. So I just think it just lends itself to make a bit more of a deeper connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I just think, you know, um, like with friendships, right? Like, you know, to become a friend, you meet someone multiple times, you get to know them over time. But somehow in business, people think I'm just going to meet you at an event. I'm going to give you my business card. And now I'm off, running off doing business with you. And it takes the same amount of time to build a business relationship just as much as a friendship, you know. And I kind of always say people do business with people they know, like and trust. And whether it be golf or whether it be any other um, kind of, a, you know, more deeper networking opportunity, it just helps you build that the know, like, and trust. It's bit. so
0: <laughs> funny you say that because we preach that to everybody. That's why at Cub we say we build relationships for a living. Mm-hmm. A relationship is a, is a relationship. It's like I've met you several times. I know you. I trust you. I like you. We're probably friends, uh, uh, you know, at the end of it. Yeah. Um, a relationship is valuable mm-hmm. long term. Meeting someone once, telling them what you do, and then leaving – that is almost pointless, sorry, it's less than pointless because it's annoying and boring as well. So it's, it's it takes time. Exactly, it takes right. Experiences it takes time.
1: Together. It takes, you know what I mean, a lot of shared experiences to kind of get to know each other. And uh, and look, as, as you said before, like I do a lot of networking, so I do different types of networking. I just love it. I love connecting with people. And to have a business, and, and golf is my true passion, so to have a business around golf and networking, I just feel like it's a bit of a win-win but having said that, there are so many times you're at some event, it's it's going on for an hour and people I see people giving all these business cards out and you kinda go, I mean, I don't know how strong a connection you can make, but not at all really. Because the next day you go back home and you you can't even remember who these what the, all these people look yeah. like. And I even <laughs> f- you find them on LinkedIn and you go, Was that the person I met? Because sometimes the pictures are a bit old as well. So you kinda go, I don't even recognize this person. I even <laughs> find
0: now that like getting the business card is almost like it's almost ugly, mm-hmm. you know, you feel to be gross from it. It's like, ooh, this is yeah. old school networking. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly <laughs> yeah, like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometime, yeah I, that's the vibe I get. But but you've, so uh, I want to talk about your business, uh, it, Imagine Golf, is yep. how I mm-hmm. say it? Yes. Um, And it's a a, a membership, cl- a, 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 a members club that focuses on connecting people through golfing.
1: Yes, yeah, so basically the concept came about, so it's the, the word is golf reimagined. So we wanted to reimagine. Golf has always been a great sport for business, but I think that people haven't really offered it in a very structured way. So we just thought there's a huge opportunity to connect golf and business, you know, to actually do business on the golf course. People talk about that um, all the time anyway. So we thought create a business around that. Um, So the concept was golf reimagined. And then we were sitting and having a little bit of a workshop and I said, I want to have it start with an E because, you know, we don't have a course. It's online. So I thought e-golf, you know, I wanted to start with an E. And then I think we had too many glasses of red wine. (laughs) So we was trying to set up When you started with an E and then ended with an E, it didn't really work well. So anyway, we played around with the spelling. So it's Imagine Golf, but it's spelled E-M-A-J-I-N. And I just think it's also spelled differently because it is different. It's a different way to access business and golf. So we thought having a kind of a different name is not a bad thing. So that's how it came about. And the kind of we do three key things. So one is access. So we provide access to play at some of the top rated golf courses across Australia, which people may not normally get access to. So that's kind of the concept, like trying to get our members access to play at you know New South Wales, Kingston Head, the Lakes Golf Club, all the top rated golf courses. And then the second part is learn. So we have some senior keynote speakers who come and speak at our events. Like we've had the CEO of Australia Post, CEO of Metcash, et cetera. So, so by they, learn you mean
0: business topics. Business rather topics, rather yeah. Golf. Business
1: topics. And they always talk about, not their business, they always talk about a topic of interest. So for example, you know, we had the CEO of Australia Post, he talked about e-commerce trends because they see it from a fulfillment perspective. And he thought he can lend a lot of insights around where he sees the industry going, where he sees the market going, and how important it is to have an e-commerce presence. So it was an interesting to- interesting topic. We had the chief customer officer of Xero, and she came and talked about how to build customer centricity within your organization from the inside out. So things like that, some interesting topics that our members could learn from. And the third part is grow. So it's access, learn, and grow. And the third part, grow, is grow your network. Um, and connect with other, you know, lovers of business and lovers of golf and build, you know, build kind of relationships that are more, you know. Sounds you know, fantastic. Authentic.
0: Yeah. And, and, and so and how does it work? So I sign up and mm-hmm. um, first of all, someone like me, I don't know how to play golf. I <laughs> yes. should know how to play golf, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to play golf. Would I be able to sign up?
1: Absolutely. So to just give you a bit of a background in Australia, there are about 5.8 million golfers. 420,000 belong to a golf club. So there's about 5.4 million golfers who are what's called beginner golfers, casual golfers, um, who kind of play golf, but not, you know, three times a week, every week at a club. So, and and our business model is like, you know what I mean? Um, we're very inclusive. We say that everywhere. And what it means is it doesn't matter what your skill levels are. It doesn't matter where you are at in terms of your golf or in terms of your business. So we run right from beginner clinics and, um, you know, we'd run... Various interesting programs to get into golf, and also at every one of our golf events, um, you have an option to either play eighteen holes, or play nine holes, or just join our golf clinic, or just come to the networking and not join the clinic at all. What's the clinic? A clinic is where we have PGA professionals and they just give you a lesson. Ah, so you spend an hour and a half. Yeah, so you spend an hour and a half on the driving range, how to grip a club, how to hit a ball.
0: So oh, you, know you can literally choose everything. You either yeah. do yeah. 18 holes, nine holes, you just go to the driving range or you just fuck it all, go to the network.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, everybody comes to the networking. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes after the networking, you know, and sometimes <laughs> it's based on work and your time commitment as well. Yeah. So sometimes people go, look, today I only have time for the networking, so I'm going to go back to work. Or you might go, look, I have, you know, I want to get into golf. I'm a complete beginner. And you kind of, you know, come and join our clinic, which is you hit balls on the driving range. We go on the putting green, learn how to putt, and we start right from how to grip the club and, you know, everything like that. And so, so every oh, You don't need to know anything at all about golf, Daniel, and you're very yeah, welcome. Yeah, I should come along. I should absolutely, come along. Absolutely.
0: Um, so every event, you've got the golf element, the networking element,
1: and the um, uh, learn element, the yes, keynote? The key, yeah, keynote, yeah. So every event we have, yeah, the golf element, the keynote, and then we have the, you know, networking bit as well. And then. And
0: how many events are there? So, if I sign up, I'm a member, I'm here in
1: Sydney. How does it work? So, each month we have one main event where we have a keynote speaker and we have a networking meeting and so forth. But outside of that, we run a lot of smaller events. So, there might be four groups playing um, together or a couple of groups or whatever. We have clinics. We ran one uh, along with Cub. It was called. We Bucket- oh, did. Yeah, so it's called Buckets and Bubbles. So, you drink champagne and. Hit some balls. Yeah, we like did camp. it with the women's community, but we're going to do another one, um, which is called buckets, uh, buckets, bubbles, and beers. So <laughs> n- non-discriminatory. So we're going to have women and men at the at that one. Uh, but we're also doing one at New South Wales Golf Club on the 5th of September. With Cub? Yeah, with Cub. So we'll Yeah, Because we have a Calvin. golf
0: community. I know. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm on the board of that community. Okay, <laughs> <They've> <laughs> signed, Help me and you They never signed me up. Exactly. They signed me up to do that on the first day I arrived here. <laughs> well, mate, I would have too. <laughs> so, um, well, it's an apt community for me, me to be a part of. But yeah, I'm, I'm running this along with um, Anthony and Calvin.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. I need to come to one of the clinics. I was asking all these Christians about it because, oh, I want to sign up.
1: Yeah, it you sounds fantastic. Absolutely, come come to the Cub event if you're free. Yeah, well, fifth when's of, that? It's on the fifth of September, and it's at New South Wales Golf Club. So New South Wales is the number one golf club in New South. Really? Wales. Okay, so it's I need stunning to go there. course. It's right on Botany Head, on top of the you know Botany yeah, Head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh wow, so stunning. So it's a and, great. But place you weren't
0: always. So I mean, you've always had a passion for golf, mm-hmm. um, and uh, how long has this company? Run for
1: so we started actually in January 2021. So it's a new company, it's, it's, yeah. Because I read company. that you were the COO of a bank, was it? Yes. Or? So I worked. So my background's in banking and finance. So I worked mm. in banking for many years, and yeah, I used to work as a COO at Westpac Private Bank. But before that, I worked in institutional banking, and you know, I've done various roles, but predominantly relationship management roles. And um, a lot of the times in institutional banking, you know what I mean? We have the large corporate clients, so two billion plus in Um, turnover, etc. So what happens is you have long lead times for your, um, you know, deals. So you might be looking at a US private placement or a structured transaction or some M&A work, but it might be an 18 months to two year lead time. You're going to play
0: a lot of golf with them. Well, exactly. And also what happens,
1: right, if you go to a CEO or CFO of a major listed company and you say, hey, can I come and have a meeting with you? And there is no transaction. they are saying, you know what, I'd love to meet my banker, but can we meet later on if there is an actual deal? So I found golf is a great networking tool. I mean, when you know, what I mean, if I call someone and say, "Hey, would you like to play around a round of golf at New South Wales?" Still haven't had anyone say no to that. The worst is they say, "Oh, can't play on that day. Can I make it another day or something like that?" Right? So it's a great way to kind of invite people, build relationships, and connect with people. you know, out in the outdoors, you know. And whether you play great, people always think to network on the golf course, you got to play great golf. And everybody thinks, "Oh, I'm not good enough and whatever." And you kind of go. Nobody is. <laughs> and that's the whole concept of the handicapping because in golf you have something called a handicap. So you get extra shots based on how good or bad you play. That's a genius
0: concept. Genius Whoever came right? up with that yeah. is, deserves an award because exactly. <laughs> no other sport has
1: that. Exactly. So if you're playing tennis and we're playing and you're a great tennis player and I'm not, well, I can't return your serve. Yeah, so we I can't, I can't even really, play. Yeah. So you're knocking a ball, you don't get a good round or I'm not able to return serve. It's finished very quickly. Whereas in golf, we could have different handicaps. So I could have a handicap of 10 and you could be given a handicap of 20. Well, you have 10 shots more than I do. Or yeah. someone could be having a handicap of 45. Genius. They've got 35 shots more than me. So any day they could beat me. Anybody could beat yeah. anybody. So you can bond with anyone on yeah. any level. It doesn't you matter. Bond. Exactly. It could be your business colleagues. It could be your grandfather and your granddaughter. It could be anyone. Because and you're all playing at your own ability level. And so how did you get into banking? because you're you were born in India. Yes, yeah, so I was born in India. I did all my schooling and everything in India. and I came to Australia many years ago for university. So I studied here and then I um, I started off in audit and accounting and um, don't hold that against me. <laughs> but I started started off in audit and accounting. I worked at Deloitte for a bit, then in a couple of different companies and then I did decided to do an MBA because I wanted to work in strategy. And make a move in there, so um, yeah. So I did that, and then um, worked in you know strategy consulting for a short period, and then went into banking, and I worked in banking for many years. I think I don't know, fifteen years maybe, or, or a long time, and in different areas of banking, but mostly in the institutional space, the so large corporate space, and then obviously I worked in private banking as well, which is the high end, uh, high net worth individuals, so family offices and things like that. So yeah, and so uh, banking is my career. Golf was always the hobby and the passion, and then um, fast forward many years, uh, I became the women's captain at New South Wales Golf Club, and I was a bo- on the board there for a bit. And I also spent a couple of years in the Golf New South Wales Advisory Committee. So Golf New South Wales is like the governing body of golf in New South Wales. So we were on the board advisory committee, and it was really interesting because you got exposed to so many statistics. Right? Do you think? million golfers in Australia. We think about the population. That's a lot of golfers. It's huge. I wouldn't have thought that. (laughs) Exactly. And so I thought, uh, you know, when I finished up with banking and after, you know, came out of New South Wales, I thought, here's a huge opportunity to connect golf and business and set up a business around that. And in my mind, I thought um, when I started the business in Jan 2021, I thought, oh, COVID is over. A lot of people have taken up golf during COVID. So perfect timing to start a business and you always have all these insights after the fact. But uh, so started in early 2021 and then after a few months, there was like lockdown for months. So um, I kind of decided um, personally, I said, oh, look, I'm going to keep all my stuff because I thought, what would they do during COVID? And as a golf-based business networking group, I mean, you couldn't even leave your house. So there's not much we could do. We, we had done a couple of Zoom things, but, you know, it's not okay. really the same. Um, And so I I kept all the staff and whatever and going through all of these months of, uh, initially I thought the lockdown would be for six weeks. (laughs) And then fast forward six months, I'm thinking, oh, goodness. Uh, But the great thing, like you always talk about the silver lining, the great thing was everybody took up golf. You could do nothing else. So more and more people, the golf had the biggest boom that it's ever had. And you kind of always, people talk about successful businesses or whatever. And I always think it's being in the right place at the right time. So that's kind of like how I feel about our business. We were just there. Golf was in a boom, even though we came out of the lockdown. Golf was in a massive boom and everybody wanted to take it up. And as you know, golf is a bit of an elitist sport already. So even if you want to join a club, you're in some wait list waiting somewhere. So it's, it's, and that's one of the things, paradigm, you want to sh- break or shift. We don't want it to be elitist. We want it to be inclusive. So everybody is welcome. Why and do you think, well, why did golf become elitist? I guess because you need a lot of
0: space to play golf, and space is expensive, and therefore you, someone needs to pay for it. Exactly, because you know pay that, that are,
1: fee. Yeah, that a high barriers to entry, right? Because it's it's quite expensive to run a golf course. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Maintaining just all the a, fairways, the watering, the land, ordering, is the land yeah. everything is expensive, right? So what happens is it automatically becomes an expensive sport, or it used to be called the rich man's sport or whatever. I mean, that's changing quite a bit these days, but that was how it was originally started because you need to pay large joining fees and subscriptions and so forth to be a member of a club. And then even if you have all the money, you can't join because there's a big wait list and you got to have five people give you a reference and, you know what I mean, to get into the club. So there's just natural barriers to entry. So a lot of people are deterred from it. And then there's also this perception that, oh, I've got to be a great golfer to go and play golf. And you kind of go, well, how do you become a great golfer? And there's no such thing as a great golfer because no matter how much you play, it's one of those sports like, Dustin Johnson was hit a shank the other day, or whatever, right? So, and Rory McIlroy puts one in the tree. So, what I mean is, these guys are golf professionals. They practice all the time, and if they can miss hit shots, so can the average amateur who's just starting out.
0: And so how do you guys make deals with the golf clubs to, so do you have deals with the different golf clubs that then you, when you run events there, your members can have access to it? Yes, or that's right. How do you, how did so you So we build that a out?
1: lot of partnerships and yeah. Well, I guess you had the right network. You're on the board and all that. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, you know. We build great relationships. We're very, very nice to everyone. <laughs> that's how we build relationships. Now we have some great relationships with clubs. Um, so we organize tea times over there. And then um, the, similarly with our keynote speakers, a lot of them are either personal networks of myself or through my personal networks. So that's just kind of how the business has started. Um, yeah, and, and so we've now been able to access a number of, um, yeah, top-rated golf courses. And uh, what made you what made you leave
0: the corporate world? So you, you obviously achieved great heights mm-hmm. um, in the world of big business. What made you think uh, – I'm going to go start my golf networking business. Yeah, you know, well, like...
1: Look, I just think various reasons. Look, I've loved... Um, I loved working in large corporate. All my life I have. and um, But having said that, there are various times where I have taken breaks from the career. So there was one time I decided that that's it. Banking was not for me. So I took a year off and I did the Cotton Blur Chefs Program. I always learned how to cook when I was very young. So I'll give you a bit of a backstory. So I'm growing up in India, and when I was about 13 years old, I was as tall as I am today, which is 5 foot 11. So my mom was like, that's it. She said, you're too tall, you're never going to be married, you can never be married. <laughs> so she said, you better learn how to cook, because <laughs> one day, she says one day, and she's a t- very typical Indian p- mother, she said one day, when there's a man taller than you that comes in, I can't have his mother say that this girl doesn't know how to cook. <laughs> So I I learned how to cook very young and I am a good cook. So I thought, oh, that's it. I'm going to become a chef, do something different, right? I've always wanted to do something different. So I took a year off and did the Cotton Bleu Chefs program. So they fucking cook reasonably well. And then I had a few contacts. And so I got a job as a sous chef. I didn't have to start as a kitchen aunt, thank God. (laughs) So I started as a sous chef working away. And realistically, I was working at all the times that my friends were out. So Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights, every time someone was out or people were doing fun things, I was always in the kitchen cooking. And that's the whole concept. And I also realized, you know, what you get paid as a sous chef somehow made banking look that much better. (laughs) I was like, but having said that, that one year away, when I went back into banking, I just loved it so much more. I was like, you know, I thought that was a, that was a hobby and a passion and this is my job. Um, So yeah. So at various times, like, and then with why I left the copper world is I didn't actually leave. So I was doing that role for a while. And then for personal reasons, I moved to Brisbane for a couple of years. And then there weren't in many senior roles in banking in Brisbane because most of the roles are based in Sydney or Melbourne. So I, I uh, took a bit of a break outside of banking and I sat on a few boards, corporate boards and startup boards and things like that. So I did work in kind of, um, yeah, in business in some capacity. Um, and then I just, and, I, and therefore being on boards and, um, you know, advisory committees gave me a lot more time to be, play more golf. <laughs> so, and that's kind of how I was, you know, under, I was a women's captain in New South Wales and everything. And when I finished that, I thought, oh, look, I'm just loving this, playing golf and, you know, being involved in business. And I thought, what if I create a business around golf? So that's kind of how. So really, uh, you just I turned your,
0: <laughs> your passion into your business. Yeah, exactly. And your passion, like, I mean, obviously your passion's golf. But one of your major strengths was, especially in private banking, whatnot, it's, and even institutional, it's relationships. Yes. And so you're obviously fantastic at networking, building relationships, love golf, boom, match made in heaven.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what it was. It was really creating a business around something I love doing anyway. And the same with networking. Like I, you know, I'm involved in many networking groups and I just love doing that. I give, I don't know, talks on it. I'm involved in it. So it's a big passion of mine and same with golf, big passion of mine. So, you know, I love my job. So I, it's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many
0: uh, super successful people I meet where they really just, they they they, they, they made their passion their business. Mm. And it sounds like a cliche, like everyone tells you, you know, make your business your passion, blah, blah, blah. But, but when it happens, <laughs> it's yeah. really good for, for business and for life happiness.
1: Exactly, right. Yeah. and it, And it is. And look, and even though people say, oh, make your passion your business, but it's still a lot of long hours and lots of hard work because uh, as I'm sure you know, when you're in corporate, you're working for a company and people think, oh, I want to have much better work-life balance. Well, let me go start a business of my own. <laughs> and then you realize that it's not that much balance either. Like you're still yeah, working Well, I think hard. it's worse. Yeah. Like I think the it's corporates, worse.
0: like I compare myself to my cousin, mm-hmm. Rob sometimes, and Rob's big in the corporate world. And he actually, I, I think he works bigger hours than me. Yeah. So he's doing big, big hours on a daily, on, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. The difference is, I think, when you're a business owner, is that you the weight you carry is so much more. That's so right. like I, I might work less hours than him, and that's d- depending on the time frame. If I'm doing something bigger, then I'm probably working equal or more because I'll do weekends too. But mm-hmm. but normally my my average would be less. But the weight that you carry as a business owner is much heavier. The stress is much greater. If you screw up, the loss are much. You, the, the loss is much greater. When you screw up as a corporate, eh, blame it on that guy. You know, like it wasn't me. He told me this, and you play the politics, and it doesn't affect the business anyway. It's so big, it doesn't care, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. But but in business, you make a mistake that that causes an issue. It, when you're a, a small or medium-sized business, you, you know people's lives can be impacted, your life can be t- impacted, your family's life can be impacted. The, the, the ramifications are a lot greater.
1: And, and the, look, I'm a banker by trade, right? And you always think it's a risk-reward matrix. You know what I mean? The higher the risk, the higher the reward. So what happens is like when you're working for a company, you still get paid your wage. You know what I mean? You've got to stuff up something major to lose your job. Like, you know, as long as you're doing a decent job and turning up and doing what you're, you know, paid to do, it's, I think it's a lot lower risk in terms of, you know, you get paid your wage, the companies, you know, especially in large companies, whereas you carry a lot more both personal risk, business risk in your own, in your own business. In your own business. Your, and that's why, you, you know, you, you talk about the weight that you carry. It's all the thoughts in your head. <laughs> yeah, but it's a weight. It yeah. feels like a weight. Exactly. Yeah,
0: so I felt it last night, funny enough, and I don't feel it often. But I was saying to my fiancé yesterday, I was like, I feel like, and To be honest, I just got back from holiday a day ago, so it was like first day back. I'm like, fuck, what happened?
1: Why did they come back <laughs> yeah. from this
0: holiday? Lake <laughs> coma was way better, but 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 um, sometimes when you have like a problem that you haven't solved yet, mm. or like something's just not working right yet, and and it, it just eats at you, and, and it, it does become a weight. And that and, and that's a lightweight. Mm. A heavy weight is when you actually have. Financial problems as a business, like yeah. where there's a risk of money, and that's a different weight altogether. Exactly
1: I, right. People, yeah. so many businesses, the cash flow and yes, yeah. you know what I mean, funding. And they struggle so many with things. that, exactly. and
0: that's the biggest weight. And, mm. and and I think personally, there are very few people in the world that can actually handle that type of weight. That mm. that that you know, oh my God, I need to do, I need to make my this, I need to do this, I need to have the money, otherwise I have to fire someone, or I can't pay them, or I have to. Move yeah. or you know, like that's that a is heavy. Nearly
1: way. every entrepreneur, right, at some point. At some point. At some yeah. point, every person yeah. thinks that, and you know, I mean, if someone says they didn't, uh, either they have infinite resources or they're just lying <laughs> because mm. you know what I mean. It's 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 there inherently in the back of your mind all the time. I think
0: that's why I think starting a business young as well. It's actually not the best time to start because the best time to start a business statistically is over the age of 50 or what was it we, someone told us Laura once, was it 45 or 50 or something like that? Uh, the older someone is when they start a business, the higher the chance of it succeeding. But to the point of pressure and financial pressure, when you it when you're young, you're almost too naive. Like I remember when Cub at the very start you know, had forty thousand dollars in the bank account, and like sometimes I had five thousand dollars in the bank <laughs> account. Like, but I didn't give a shit because I was so young, and I didn't, you know, it, uh, yeah. there was no consequence. i I'll figure, I, I, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so I went through that when I was younger, and obviously Cub's at a much different stage now, and, and Cub doesn't carry that; it carries a different weight. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, but having it when you are younger with no kids. And family yeah. and, you know, that, that's almost like, and if I screw it up, doesn't matter. I do something else. I'm it's only 20. A, yeah, yeah, you're
1: right. When you don't have other personal commitments, I suppose it's a lot easier. Yeah. And and I can understand why they say that. Like, you know what I mean? As you're older, probably two things. One, you've learned a lot of skills during your life. So you're likely to be better at business. Just to or be smarter some, in general, I think. Yeah, you just have better business acumen that you've built over the years. But two, I just think you have the financial security. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I said before, like during COVID, I was just decided to pay all my staff. It was just a personal decision, because, you know, as you can see, this brown skin, I believe in karma. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for sure. So I just thought, you know, and, and also it's, I thought it was, it was the right thing to do. But having said that, it creates a bit of, um, you know, stress because there is no business and you're, you know, paying all the wages. But having said that, I was in a lucky position that I could, you know, afford to do that basically yeah, you know I what think I, mean? I
0: think it's it's the right thing to do when you can actually do it mm, exactly you know because there's some businesses well they they aren't able to do that and exactly. therefore the right thing to do is to save the business so that the business can continue continue contributing to society and one day grow again and, and bring back people absolutely but if you're in a strong financial position mm-hmm. um, um, then yes and, and you can afford to hold people and, and help protect them in life then I, that exactly, exactly and that's what I
1: mean and sometimes like you know it depends on where you are and, and that's probably why when people are a bit older they tend to you know
0: be able to be more, be able financially more secure. exactly more
1: financially secure mm. or you know have a greater investment capacity or whatever the answer is but yeah
0: and so tell me what do you think um that, I, I see a lot of people um be good at networking a lot of people be very bad at networking what do you think of the what, what do you think are the keys to to successfully networking and, and growing, building your relationships, growing your network? Yeah,
1: so the first thing I think is your mindset. So a lot of the times people say, oh, I joined this networking group and didn't really get any business out of it. And you kind of go, oh, how many events did you attend? What did you go to? Oh, I was too busy and I had no time. I hate I those go, people. <laughs> and I go, and I go <laughs> so you joined, you never went to anything, and then somehow you thought business would fall in. So it's a mindset, right, like the expectation that, oh, somehow, whatever. Uh or I, or I turned up at five events and nothing happened. And you kind of go, well, no, you know, the mindset is to say, well, as I said before, it's like friendship. You've got to build relationships over a period of time. you got to make connections over a period of time. And then business just happens. It just comes along. It's not something that bang, you put on a switch and it happens. It just happens. But I just think, like, so one is the mindset. But outside of that, I think there's two more things. The second one is, I always say, be a connector. So say I've met you, Daniel, and you say, oh, not, Daniel knows a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. But let me see whether I can connect you to someone in my network. How can I, brought, how can I add some value to you? Because I think what that does is it kind of makes, if I, if I keep thinking about adding value to you, invariably someone will add, you, add value to me. I like guess like the circle of, you know, like karma, about karma. exactly. Yeah. So you kind of don't worry about, because when it's very transactional, it's really hard to build great relationships. So I always think that if you forget about the transaction and think about what is the value that I'm adding to you? What is, who can I connect you to? And and then what happens is, well, at the simplest level, you remember me a lot more than, you know, as you would if I'd just given you a business card and left. So I think the value add that you do is a, is a great thing. And then the, and the third aspect is really around, um, like, around time. So, you know, like, I've had that in my business as well. Like I'll be talking to you and you might say, oh, that's great. I want to play some golf. But at that point in time, you may or may not have the need to play golf or you may want to, but you may not have the time based on your family or your life or your business. And I've had people like now who I have known 25 years ago who now do business with me. We never did business for 25 years, but now they do. Like I've had senior keynote speakers come and speak at my events. But these are people I've known for a long, long time. And we never did business in those times, but we maintained a great relationship through all the all these all these years, and now we do things together. So I think, and that's kind of what I would say. Yeah, oh, know, I agree. I, around, well, yeah. as
0: someone that's in the same type of business, uh, like I completely agree with 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 all three of them, yeah. particularly the mindset one, because uh, people focus so much on like almost the wrong outcome. The outcome is, that, and this is really not that many cub people anymore because we've got good induction and and mm. and, and a, a good sales process. Like they they explained what the purpose of the company is. But, but I remember it still does happen now, but I remember very much more at the start, people come in and they're thinking, Oh yeah, I want to get business from this place. So there's got to be some sort of transactional outcome. And I, you know, I'm a business person. I work towards ROIs. How much money am I making from this money I'm spending? It's like, man, you're going to be broke for life. I can guarantee it because you're just looking at the world wrong. The world's not a transactional place. Like the world, you need, you do well in life when you have good people around you. To get good people around you, you need to be a good person and you need to make friends, you need to have relationships with people. Mm -hmm. They can be your family, they can be your friends, they can be your team members at work, they can be other business owners that are supporting you and can relate to you and can help you. They can be keynote speaker, whatever it is. But people are the key to doing well in life. And if you look at everyone and everything as a transaction –
1: Yes. You're screwed. And as ROI, yeah, you're networking screwed. doesn't work like that. Right? No. Yeah. And and it's like and saying, I met you now and I want you to be my friend. And what's the ROI of that? Nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and 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 who wants to be that ROI? Whereas if you if the mindset is, no, I'm here to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Like that is the key outcome of what I'm going to try and achieve by being part of um, um the golf this golfing group for for, for a year. I want to go to, you know. 60 of the events throughout the year or or 12 or whatever, whatever I want to go to. And my goal is to uh, meet a few people each time, catch up with them after the event on a later date and, and, and and just see and see what happens over time and, and and build these relationships. Then after you do that, then all the good stuff, not good stuff, this stuff that comes from good relationships
1: happens, but, but people just, the mindset is wrong. Uh, Exactly. And look, majority of the people have got it Right. So I'm just giving this as a... You
0: know, no, majority of your people, mm-hmm. the majority of people in general, and maybe oh, yeah. majority of CUP, but majority of people in general have a
1: wrong. The, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And so look, and what we do is we do actually a lot of work around this um, because as I said to you, like I'm a great networker. So anyone joins, we try to find out. We always have a meeting with them straight away. I, I always say like we can ask a list of information, but I said I only want to know two things from everyone. One is learn more about their business, which is a given because I need to know what they do. But two, try to find out who they're looking to meet. So for example, it might be a buyer's agent, and he might say, look, I'm trying to meet accountants and financial planners who look after SMSF because I do a lot of investment property, like I'm a buyer's agent for investment property, and people invest through the SMSF. So that might, like, I'm just using that as an example, right? So what we try to do is find that information. So every time that buyer's agent comes in and puts his name down to play at one of our events, we try to connect him with an accountant or financial planner who may fit those criteria, and and this is why I said we do the big event once a month, but we try to organize a lot of smaller events mm. really to try and connect those people, whether it be by industry or whether it be by whatever. But in the end of the day, I can put you in a tea time with someone. Only you can do business with them. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? I can't make that happen. We can connect it, a, as many people as possible, but you're only going to do business with someone if you know, like, and trust them. And you're only going to know, like, and trust them if there's an opportunity for you to mm. uh, like and trust them. So when it's very transactional, it's really hard to create that depth of relationship. Yes. And That's you kind of can't
0: help people. Mm. Like one thing we've learned, yeah. So our job is to facilitate new relationships. But if someone's like a jackass and is just rude mm. and always talks over people and, you know, puts exactly. people down and and they complain that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I didn't meet anyone I liked or I, I, I haven't got any business. Like, yes, yeah, because no one likes talking to you. You know, it's. You you have to be a good person. You have to learn to let people. I really think being a good person is mm. pretty much the like biggest key to life. It's just True. be a good person, you help people, totally agree. You do the right thing. Like, yeah, you got to have a bit of animal in you to you know to have the courage to start a business or to work your way up the corporate ladder or whatever it is you do in life. You do need a bit of oomph, yeah. And and you need to do what's what's necessary to get there. But but being a good person is is really. The key is if someone right. likes you, you do good by them. They say nice things about you to other people. Those people see you in that light. If you do the wrong thing by people, then they're going to go do, say, the bad exactly. things about you. And, it,
1: and, and sometimes it could just be fit. Like, so, for example, in, in this example I used, that buyer's agent may not do business with that accountant, but he may do business with another accountant. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just fit. Like, you know, some people just, yeah. it works. They, they fit each sometimes other Sometimes it's the person, how nice they are or whatever, but sometimes it's just the size of business. Sometimes, you know, this business is too small, this business is too big. The Because mm. I always think, like, you know, uh, you know I talk a lot about referral partners and who is, you know, creating, like, partnerships with other businesses. And I think that any business um, where you have the same customers but you don't have a competing business, well, you could be partners because you could actually, you have a same target audience but you don't have a competing business. So you now have the ability to share connections with one another. And so, yeah, I just think that... Um, there are so many aspects in life and business like um,
0: but that's a great way to, for people to think about how to find a potential cross promotional partner yeah so who has the same demographic of who who serves the same market prefer a different product or
1: service exactly because i work you know with the business coach quite well because their cust- their clients tend to be our clients because they're all you know what I mean, business owners or executives or having a business coach and we do a networking for business owners and executives who want to build their networks. So I think there's a great synergy. So, I mean, similarly, like, golf could be a great synergy, right? Like, there are so many businesses that are just synergistic. Um, and as I said before, like, imagine golf, like, we are a networking group, but we're golf-based. So in the networking, it's not either or, it's and. We really occupy the space of and. Most of our members are members of another networking group already. Like, you know what I mean? Golf-based networking is not the primary form of networking that you do. It's the additional networking you do like and that's kind of the space we occupy so it's it's actually yeah it's just an interesting model and and you mentioned the ROI before and I've had that I've had uh, one of our someone who was looking to join say oh, what is the ROI of joining this membership and our memberships like I talked about making golf accessible cost-effective inclusive so our memberships are less than five hundred dollars I was just sitting there thinking you want me to write you a paper about how I can make, yeah. you know, five hundred bucks. you need ROI on five hundred dollars? Yeah, I'm like, I just you're not the right like customer for yeah. me. You know, you can't afford any of my events. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but to be fair, he did join and is is a great member. But yeah. people do think like that for some, yeah. and you kind of go. That's also a good point, I can't help though. You. Sometimes people,
0: sometimes customers, mm-hmm. uh, will learn. Okay, wait a second. I, had, I yeah, yeah. How I envisioned this at the start is wrong. This is now. I get it. Yeah. Like, now I get it. And that, I was quite, quite
1: direct. I told yeah. him, look, I can write you a two-page report on how <laughs> on the ROI on $500. <laughs> and he just looked at me, burst into, just started laughing. And you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just, yeah. that's just it. Because they're so focused on business and thinking like that. They just forget.
0: Well, sometimes people they, just say stuff. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you're in a conversation and someone, they, they don't mean to say it or they, <laughs> they, they don't know what they're saying. They just kind of, they just speak. And Sometimes as a business owner, or even if, you're, if you were like a salesperson, just shutting that down really quickly, like saying, well, wait you're a right, second, yeah. you don't, not, not saying it like this, but you know, with nice words saying that's, that's dumb, you know, like just explaining like, well, that's not how you, that's not at all what you, how you should be thinking. About it. Sometimes actually being strong like that and shutting down that thing, then they're like, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and
1: remember, they're, they're never dumb. I customer's no. always right. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah. I just say it very nicely.
0: I, I speak in exaggerated yeah. words all the time. I, I do that with a team. I'm going to get in trouble for it one day, I'm sure. But exactly. but we all yeah. I, we always, I always speak in exaggerated yeah. terms. That way people don't forget yeah. what I mean. But, but <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: super serious because I would have easily written up a two-page document <laughs> on what the ROI is. No, I'm serious. Because I always think like, you know, I'm a big believer in creating positive energy. Positive. Nothing is too hard. So if you came and said, oh, can you give me an ROI? I'll give you a two-page report. When I st- when I started in banking, I started, to- started as an equities analyst. So you know what I mean? And I come from a statistical modeling background. So I'm very into writing ROIs and numbers and whatever. So I'd be like, yeah, sure, take this. <laughs> I'll probably reuse the thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> It'll be one of my documents I bring out, I give it to everybody. <laughs> and, and tell me
0: about karma, because karma is one of those things that actually fits beautifully into what you do as a living into mm-hmm. networking. Uh, how uh, how do you describe karma and how do you use it in your life?
1: So I just think, and this, this could sound a bit weird, but bear with me. So I just think in the universe, you know what I mean? You throw things into the universe. It could be positive vibes, energy, acts. It could be various things. And they go around and they come back to you. Now, so if you throw good deeds into the universe, I think good deeds come back to you. They may not even come back to you. They may come back to your child. Let me come back to your parent or anything. So this is kind of the karma. Karma is very broad. So it's not like I give you something, then you give me something back. No, I'll give you something. Laura might give me something back or someone else or some stranger that I never even met. So I kind of think that that's how I describe it. So you kind of always, I'm always like, you know, looking at a glass, it's half full. Everything is always positive. I always think, look at the most positive thing about everything. And just keep on because life's too short. And I used to say this to my daughter as well, I say, don't sweat the small stuff. They take you know, it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not that big a deal. Just focus on the two main important things. And and a lot of the times what we do, we the things people care about and stress about, they're the small stuff. Like nobody cares. And and that's kind of what I think. If you think about the big picture and think about the you know, the top one, two or three key things. And then just focus on that and drive positive energy, positive force around it. I mean, you—if even if positive things don't come back to you, you're just—you know what I mean? Um, no, I you're think you're a being better a... person to be around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're more pleasant. So more positive <laughs> things automatically come in. Like just smile, because no. life's too short to be. Ki- but I think training
0: yourself okay. to be positive. Mm-hmm is essential, particularly. I mean, it's essential to anyone. But in business, there is so many little things that are happening that are bad yeah. on a daily basis. That if you focus so much always on the little things that were bad, you're just not going to enjoy the journey. When you focus on the positives, not even the positives. When you focus on even like the negatives having a positive, yeah. um, Which is which is most. Or I mean, I I believe every negative has a positive, but but or has the has the ability to become a positive. But even just training yourself to do that at least then you're growing and and talking about things in a positive light, it it does put that, like I found it puts that positive energy, you start thinking about it in a positive way, which then starts, your brain starts saying, okay, well, this is good then, maybe we should be doing this and, you know, it, it stimulates some uh, neurological stuff going on. I,
1: I, it is so true, I can't tell you. If you think positive things, you know what I mean, it builds your confidence, you're going to, everything, like I, I always say in my, at, you know, in my office, I say, we have a no-blame culture. I said there are no mistakes because every mistake is just a learning. It's just a learning. What have you learned from this and move on? Because I mean, unless you've gone and killed someone like, or something, yeah, that's I mean. pretty, Anything that's pretty like, bad. Anything is like tiny. <laughs> like somebody's name was, you know, spelling was wrong on a name badge. Something happened. Like it doesn't matter. Like you know what I mean? For apologize and move on. Like because things, something is always going to go wrong. Yeah. And we, like, and you know what I mean? You run networking events and we run events, and I know that 100%. Uh, accuracy of everything, it's just not possible. Because I could have an amazing day, it could rain at <laughs> on golf events. So anything is possible, out of your control. And, and, also, and I can't sweat about that. If it rains, we'll just play in the rain. And also w- w-
0: when you're in the people business and you're dealing with people, mm. often, you know, you, you can't control people. And people yes. do and say things and people think things exactly. and some people have bad days and some people, you know, yeah, you absolutely. can't, you know, it's, it it's you can't, Yeah. You, th- that, that I think for businesses like ours, but there's a lot of businesses that are very people centric or people focused that when you're dealing in the, like, if you're, pro- I don't want to say like uh, my p- people of my product, but, but you know, when the people that are involved have a direct impact on the satisfaction of your clients, yes, then people are your product. And, and if, if, someone says you know you I don't even know why I'm getting with this but, but people are complex you yeah know, it's, and look, it's not and like i'm giving you an iphone <laughs> you know like i could give 10 different people that are yeah. great people and they might blend differently to 10 other people you know
1: exactly right and then look i think it's true for any business i mean you could have a great product and you ordered my product i've shipped it out and something happens with the shipping company and it's now delayed somewhere like anything could happen like you know uh it's there's always uncontrollables, so
0: and just gotta be aware of that, and yeah,
1: and then just move on, and 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 of course try to rectify it as best as possible. But yeah, that's kind of what I say. Like, don't worry about like little mistakes or big mistakes. Let's just learn, and you know what I mean. Kind of say, how can we fix it, and how can we, you know, move on, and how can we learn something for the future. And so, how did you
0: actually start golf? What was the start? Were, were you a, a kid? Is golf big in India
1: or no? No. So I actually started golf much later. So I'll give you. Um, So there's an interesting story. So um, I was doing my MBA at London Business School. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm I'm doing an MBA. I'm going to be doing all these corporate deals. So i got to learn how to play golf. It's so important. So I signed up for the six-week course, like a lesson, to go and learn how to play golf. Anyway, I used to do a lot of running at the time. I used to run half marathons and marathons and things. And I used to play tennis at a really decent level. And um, so I went to this lesson. And after the third lesson, I was like, this is crazy. And I was a poor student at the time, so I never wasted money. So I invested in these lessons. And after the third lesson, I said, what kind of sport is this? I'm trying to hit a stationary ball that doesn't move. Like I'm supposed to be playing a sport. I don't sweat or get feet or anything. Absolutely hated it. And I said, that's it. No more. Golf is not for me. Decided to not go for the next three lessons because there were a package of six lessons. I said, three is plenty. The other three would just be a waste of my time. So I thought, that's it. Hated it. Didn't play it at all. And I just gave it up. And then about 10 years later, like I was in banking and you know what I mean? It, it's it's quite a very common in banking. Like a lot of people play golf, and I thought, oh look, if I don't play golf, I'm gonna be the only one not playing. So I decided, oh look, I'm gonna take this up. And so I had a couple of friends who were like going to this golf clinic, and they said, oh come along, and you should join this clinic. Anyway, go to this clinic, and with like like you say in life, you gotta be ready for things to happen. Just loved it, absolutely loved it. I was committed. I used to go every day and like try to you know hit more balls and whatever. And, um, yeah, and um, I was actually um, working in Kuala Lumpur for a couple of years and I used to be through a cop you know, in Asia it's quite common to have a club membership as part of your expat package. And so I was a member there at Kuala Lumpur Golf and Country Club and because Kuala Lumpur it used to be so hot. Um, So you can't really run on the streets like how you would run here. So I would be running in the treadmill in the air-conditioned gym. And they had a stunning, uh, like a glass, uh, floor-to-ceiling window, and all the treadmills would be facing this glass in a semicircle. And then outside, you could see this beautiful 36-hole golf course, like stunning, well-maintained. And So I'd be running on this treadmill because I was training for a half marathon or whatever, looking at this course thinking, I should go out there, I should be playing. So anyway, I turn up, I go to the golf academy, and I say, look, I want to start playing golf. So I met this, this young English golf pro, and he said, look, Raj, he said, you need to take some lessons, you need to come to the driving range, you need to hit balls, and maybe in six to eight months, you're going to be ready to go and play on the course. And I said, oh, thank you for that. That's great. And I'm thinking, eight months, that's a long time. So anyway, I go back to the coffee shop, I have a coffee, I come back, and then there's a lady sitting there, and I said, look, um, can you introduce me to the local pro? I want to meet the, the most senior local pro. Anyway, this guy comes up, and he's like a very big, heavy set guy, Malaysian guy, and his name was Zul Karnani, long name. And, I, and he, I said, look, hi, I'm Raj. And he said, I'm pro-Zul. I said, oh, that's great. I said, look, I want to get playing on this golf course in six weeks. Can you help me? And he said, Raj, to be a golfer, he said, first, you need to look like a golfer. He said, come with me. So I walk up to the pro shop. He says, take these clubs, take these clothes, take these gloves, balls. Like, clearly he was on a commission of this pro shop. So I bought all these things, all this stuff. And then he said, come over here. And he gave me this booklet. The booklet had 50 lesson vouchers from him. He says, buy this booklet. That means you can sign up to 50 lessons. Anyway, I do the conversion in my brain, like three ringgit is one dollar, whatever. It costs nothing, $20 for a lesson. I said, yeah, okay, give me the booklet, buy this book. And then off I go having lessons with him every day. And I said, what can I call you, you know, Zul? And he says, just call me Pro Zool or Pro. So he wanted me to call him Pro, like Mr. Zul or whatever, like ProZul every day. And to his credit, in six weeks, I was on the course I had a great... Um, so in Malaysia, they have pro caddies. So I had this great caddy. His name was Raj as well. And he used to play off like a four handicap or something. So they have to play be great golfers for them to be caddies. So he would turn up and he'd be like, hit this club, do this, whatever, just hit the club. And he was amazing. like So he used to use this club and then whenever... I hit in the bushes. It doesn't matter where I hit. Miraculously, they will appear back on the fairway. He <laughs> <laughs> just kicked them out onto the fairway. And I had the most amazing time and then I was just smitten. So I just kept playing golf and, you know, I mean, I've improved dramatically since then.
0: He <laughs> makes but, a point though, Prozul. Yeah. You've looked the part. you, you got to you know, be before you
1: are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he used to always say, like, when you hit a shot, he said, doesn't matter if it's a good shot or a bad shot. He just says, I want you to pause for half a minute. He said, because if you pose... But even if it's a bad shot, they'll think, oh, she's a great golfer. She's just hit a bad shot. But if you hit a good shot and just turn away, and he says, even if you hit a great shot, they'll say, Oh, just some new golfer had a lucky shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's true for business as well. Like, you know, hold the pose. <laughs> and when credibility is everything, right? Like is. perception is reality. Yeah, so. Perception mm.
0: is like yeah. it's so true. Like I have said it before in the podcast. Whenever Cub um like we normally will do it like a round of Uh, PR once a year or twice Mm. a week, twice a year, depending on what we're doing. But whenever we do it, people always come up to us uh, after, you know, uh, after some newspapers or whatever, print something after, after that, everyone comes up to us and is like, Oh my God, you know, you guys are doing so well. I just want to say congratulations. It's like, we're doing exactly the same as we are doing, for the article. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, Nothing's changed.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but, but perception is is just so powerful. So true. You and need to learn. Like people same, need to know
1: that. Same in our business because when we started early in the day, we got a really nice write-up in the Australian Golf Digest. And the Australian Golf Digest is like the preeminent golf magazine. And, and you know what I mean, I've known them from before. Like they've known that I was a women's captain, et cetera. Like, so we got a really nice write-up. And also it's quite unique, our business model, combining golf and business. Nobody's really done that. As a
0: formal cost. model. As a formal yeah, model. It's kind of a casual thing. I, Yeah,
1: casually you may do it, you may connect with someone and you may end up doing business, but it's never been in a structured format like how we're running it. So it's quite unique, the business model. So we've got a really nice write-up and everybody's like, oh, my God, that's a great success. And I go, thank you.
0: <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. And so how? Do, what is the business model? So they'll pay a $500 annual sign-up fee? Yeah. Or, sorry, mm-hmm. annual fee. Mm-hmm. And then – and um, they pay per – yeah. so if they want to go to an event, they pay for that event.
1: Yeah, it's a pay-as-you-go model. So, you, you they, yeah, they pay for every event they come to. So there's not like an initial investment that they got to now justify. It's just mm-hmm. they, if they play six events, they pay for six. If they play 20, they pay for 20. And, and so your team
0: starts. will work to get them as engaged as possible.
1: Yes, and, and ideally we want – I mean, we want all of our members engaged as much as possible because we want the membership to be valuable to them. And um, like and we also run a lot of, you know – we obviously run the big golf days, but we run a lot of, you know, smaller clinics, other networking events and things like that as well. So opportunities like we do indoor golf, we do, you know, golf on the range, et cetera. So there's there's kind of – there's many ways for you to be involved.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I like is that the more engaged they are, okay, yes, the more they spend, but the more value they get. Oh, exactly. Because they, they're building exactly. more relationships. And exactly.
1: And a lot of the times, you I, you, you know what I mean, you're playing at top golf courses, so they have to you know obviously – most of the fee you pay is like for the green fees and yeah. the event itself, yeah.
0: No, it's incredible. I've got to come along. Absolutely. Well, I'm so happy to have spoken to you today mm-hmm. and to have you in CUB, but but really to, to have met you today because of the, I reckon me and you could talk about um, uh, networking relations. I reckon we could talk for a long time about a lot of stuff. So we've got to catch up again. But um, uh, to our listeners, uh, if you want to get in contact with Raj or – uh, join me and attend one of the, one of the golf, um, or join up and attend the golf days. You can go to cub.club forward slash podcast, and you can get in contact with Raj there. Um, and if you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at club of United business on Instagram. Raj, thank you so much once again.
1: Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And I look forward to chatting to you more. 100%. hope you enjoyed the show. On the golf course. Oh, on the golf course. Definitely. (laughs) I need to learn.
0: I need to learn.